Thank you for joining us today for our River of Life podcast with Brother Bill Jenkins. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrofferville.com. That's rolcrofferville.com. Now, let's join Brother Bill Jenkins as he teaches from the Word of God. I want the praise team, if you will, remain seated. Everybody that was on stage last week or this week, and everybody else, would you stand and let's let's thank our praise team for leading us in worship. What an awesome, awesome, awesome God. Amen. Thank you so very much. I pray you've got a Bible with you this morning. And if you have, you can turn it to 2 Timothy in chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church there, uh, to young Timothy, pastor of the church at Ephesus. And in this chapter, he says, beginning in verse number 1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. I believe we're living in those days, aren't you? And then he lists 21 different sins. And if you'll skip down to verse number 12, or excuse me, verse number 13. In verse 13, he makes this statement. Yea, but evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Father, I had your precious anointing this service. Thank you for what we've already experienced. But God, it's our prayer that the Holy Ghost of God would do its office work in our heart, that it passed every pew, that it touch every heart, that it meet every need. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't you just love liars? Kind of on the top of your Valentine's list, isn't it? Amen. Two old boys was out fishing the other day, and uh, one of them turned to the other one. He says, you know, I heard the other day that all fishermen are liars, except for me and you. And I'm really beginning to worry about you. Amen. John and Joe, two of our friends, they were, they were out fishing. And John told Joe, he said, man, you're not going to believe what happened to me the other day. He said, well, what happened? He said, I was down there on the creek. And I had a, a brim hook and a cricket, and I caught a seven-and-a-half-pound bass. And Joe just kind of looked at him and said, that's nothing. You ain't going to believe what happened to me the other day. What happened to you? Well, you remember last year when we was down to rise, and that storm came up, and it blew everything we had off into the river. We lost all our camping equipment. He said, yeah. He said, well, I was fishing by there the other day, and I hooked something, and I, when I pulled it in, would you believe it was my lantern? He said, my star. He said, oh, you hadn't heard it. The lantern was still lit. <laughs> John looked at him for a minute, and he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll knock five pounds off that bass if you'll blow the light out in that lantern. Whether it's an exaggeration or whether we call them white lies or if we're just talking, trying not to hurt somebody's feelings, our lives are being bombarded every moment of every day 
with lies. The TV, the internet, the social medium are all filled with lies and half-truths. And that doesn't count the lies that we tell ourselves. Years ago, I was pastoring over in Perry, Florida. And uh, my secretary, Sister Vermel Albritton, made me a beautiful little cross-stitch to go in my office. It was a picture of a lamb. And under the lamb, she had cross-stitched these words, use, E-W-S, E-W-E-S, use not fat, use fluffy. (laughs) And I'd go by and I'd read that every morning, use not fat, use fluffy, and then I'd go get a donut, amen. Lies, deceiving and being deceived. However, for a few short moments this morning, I want to talk to you about something that I believe is of the utmost importance and one that has spiritual and eternal implications. The sermon today is very simple, and it has one desired outcome. And that is the salvation of souls. Now, you you may not have realized it, but you have an enemy here today. He he came to church with you. He's seated in the pews around you. And, And it's his business to continue to lie to you to keep you lost and damned for all eternity. You say, Brother Bill, you got any scripture for that? I'm so glad you asked. Revelations chapter 12 and verse number 9. Here's what the Bible says. The great, it says, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan. Listen to this. Which deceiveth the whole world. He's cast out into the earth and his angels are cast out with him. He is a deceiver and he's been cast out to where you and I live. Again, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 9, here's what your Bible says. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. In Matthew's gospel, the 24th chapter, Jesus Christ is with his disciples. They've just come out of Jerusalem and the disciples came to him and they said, Lord, what's going to be the, the signs of thy coming and the end of the world? And Jesus Christ begins to list a whole list of things that are going to transpire in the last days. And you've heard sermons on most of them about the, about the earthquakes and the divers places where diseases are going to be rampant and all of that. But did you know that there was one thing that Jesus mentioned three specific times listen to what he says Matthew 24 and verse number 4 and Jesus answered and said unto them take heed that no man deceive you for many will come in my name saying I am Christ and they shall deceive many again down in verse number 11 of that same chapter Jesus said and many false prophets will arise and shall deceive many And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Again, in verse number 24, that 24th chapter, he says, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, listen, and they shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, 
they would deceive the very elect of God. Deceived and being deceived. Being lied to and accepting those lies. I started working on this sermon about three weeks ago. I was doing some Greek word study, and I came across a word in the Greek, planao. I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. But that particular word is found over 40 times in the Greek New Testament. In the Greek New Testament, 40 times in 27 books. It simply means to deceive. And it brings with it a warning of being deceived by a great deceiver and being recipients of the great deception of the last days. Here's a verse of scripture for you. You won't hear very many preachers on television or, or the internet preaching on this, but it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 9. The Bible says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Listen, neither fornicators. Those who are living together outside of marriage. Nor idolaters. Those who put anything before worshiping God. Nor adulterers. Nor the infeminate. Nor the abusers of themselves with mankind. You see, the purpose of the gospel is to bring light and life to its hearers. And yet as I preach today, I know our enemy, Satan, who is a roaring lion, who also comes into the church disguised as an angel of light, is in attendance, and he's going to do everything he can to keep you from hearing the word of God. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 3 and 4. Here's what your Bible says. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them who are lost. Listen, verse 4. In whom the God of this world, by the way, that's Satan, Ephesians chapter 2. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now leave that up there for just a minute, if you will, please. There are some words that just kind of go together. We, we call them association words. If, if I say the word blind, you immediately think that I'm talking about somebody's having problems seeing, somebody's having problems with their eyes. But that's not what you see in this verse of Scripture. He says that the God of this world is in the process of blinding the mind. Getting the mind where it cannot comprehend, cannot, cannot see, cannot come to an understanding of what God is saying. You, you know about this. People make this statement all the time. Well, I've made up my mind. You, you know anybody like that? I mean, confronted with the truth. Well, it doesn't matter. I've made my mind up. What have they done? They've literally lied to themselves. The devil has this unique ability, according to Scripture, to take his thoughts and put them into the mind of man. 
And before I even get to my message this morning, some of you have already heard that little voice telling you that you can't wait until this old man gets through so you can go eat dinner. We need to open the altar for confession. There's a book out on the market right now. It's written by Jared Wilson. Jared is the associate professor of pastoral ministries at Spurgeon College. The title of the book is this, The Gospel According to Satan, Eight Lies About God That Sound Like the Truth. Yeah. Let me read you some of of what what he says in his book. Uh, He says, uh, the first lie Satan uses is that he tells you that God just wants you to be happy. You won't find that in Scripture. What you find in Scripture is God wants you to be holy. And dear friend, holiness is many times a long way from your happiness. Amen, right there. Here's another one. He says in this, he says, you only live once. That's a lie. You only die once. You live for eternity. Amen. And then, I like this one. He says, you need to live your truth. Oh, no. Dear friend, if you're not living his truth, you're not living. And then here's another one. It says, your feelings are your reality. Really? <laughs> I'm in trouble. You know, I like that old poem, feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. I'll put my faith in the word of God and all else is worth believing. I don't know about you, but at my age, some days I get up and I don't feel like living. I don't feel like getting up and doing anything. There are other days when I feel like doing everything, and usually they follow one another. <laughs> another, another lie that's found there, it says, it says, you need to let go and just let God. There's a monicum of truth to that, but dear friend, I want to tell you something. It's not all truth. Your Bible says that God desires of you more than anything else that you would live by faith, trusting in him. And then then this one, it says, God helps those who help themselves. Don't you like that? Isn't that that great? All of these have have a a monicum of truth to them, a, a little bit of truth. Uh, years ago, we went to Panama City. My father had passed away, and we were cleaning out his house. And he had this clock hanging in the living room that everybody hated. Has anybody got one of those? Every hour, bang. I mean, you laid in bed at night waiting for it to click, 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 and bing, okay? And we were taking it off the wall, and somehow, I don't know how, it broke. <laughs> and we've got it at our house. It's broke, but I want you to tell no sir. Twice every day, it's right. (laughs) Amen. You listen to what's being propagated today as the gospel, and you're going to hear some truth. But be careful. They have to have a little bit of truth to hang their lies on. I'm going to share with you three or four lies that Satan is using in this day and time, and then we'll be gone. The first one is this. You can't be lost because you are a good person. 
I don't know if you know it's not, it, it's hard to find lost people these days. 45 plus years ago, I started in the ministry. You walked up to a fellow on the street and say, uh, sir, may I ask you, are you saved? And that, that question would elicit one of two answers. He'd usually say, well, sure, I'm saved. Or he would say, no, I'm, I'm not saved. You walk up to somebody at Walmart today and say, hey, buddy, let me ask you a question. Are you saved? And the first thing I, what difference does it make to you? That ain't none of your business. We live in, in, a, in this woke generation where everybody in it is good regardless of how they live their lives or regardless of what the Bible says. The new gospel being proclaimed in our world today is this, that there is a God of love and a God of grace and they're proclaiming that to the exclusion of God's other attributes. According to J.R. Hill, a recent survey was done. The question was asked, are you going to heaven when you die? They walked up to people on the street, asked the question. Overwhelmingly, the majority said, yes, I'm going to heaven when I die. One pastor reading those statistics, he said, after I heard that, I told my wife, if all of these people are going to heaven, heaven may not be as good a place as we thought. (laughs) The survey then asked, if you are going to heaven, why? Do you think you're going to heaven? And almost 100% of those who said they were going to heaven said, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. I don't. And then they would fill in the bright. You can almost see pride swelling up in them as they stated, I don't steal. I, I don't commit adultery. I, I, don't, I haven't murdered anybody. Do you know what your Bible says? Your Bible says in Romans 3 and 23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now we read that and we say, well, all have sinned. That's not the entirety of it. All have sinned and you come short of the goal God has set for you. And that goal is the glory of God. And the only way you'll ever obtain that goal is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Romans 3 and verse number 10, the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse number 20, the Bible says, the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 9. He says, know you not that unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Listen. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Revelation 21, verse number 8. The Bible says, are y'all glad you're here this morning? But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderer, the whoremonger, the sorcerer, the idolaters... That's a bad crowd, isn't it? And then this little inclusion. And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. You say, well, Brother I'm not a bad person. I've never murdered anybody. I'm not abominable. You know, all of these. Listen, one lie 
is enough to separate you from God for eternity. And you've never told a lie, right? You were five years old. You were in the kitchen. The lid was off the cookie jar. You had crumbs on your face. And mama walked in and said, have you been in them cookies? And you said, no. It's the nature of man to be alienated from God because of our sin. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse number 4, the Bible says, but we all, how many is all? And we all as an unclean thing and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. All our righteousness is as filthy rags. And we do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. The old preacher asked the question. He said if our iniquity, if our, if, 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 if our, if our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. What must our sins look like in the sight of God? One must be lost before he can be saved. And before you will ever be saved, you will come under the convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God that you are a sinner. And as long as you say, preacher, I'm a good person, Preacher, I don't deserve hell. Preacher, I know I'll be all right. As long as you've got those excuses, dear friend, you will never, ever be saved. It's when you come confessing, Lord, I'm lost. I, I can't make it on my own. God, I can't do this without you. And I accept Jesus as my go between my intercessor, my mediator, the one who shed his blood for me. Second lie of the devil. Everybody will eventually go to heaven. We're all going to heaven. We're just taking different roads. You see, our God is too good to send anybody to hell. Ever heard that? Here's what your Bible says. Mark chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate. Excuse me, Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads unto life. And few there be that find it. Luke 13, 23, Luke 13, 24. The Bible says, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Revelation 21, excuse me, 20 and verse number 15. The Bible says, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake which burneth with fire. You understand that when Jesus was here upon this earth, in John's gospel, the third chapter, he divided all of humanity into two groups, and that includes this group here today. You're either in one group or the other. Listen to what Jesus said, John 3, 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. 
because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He loves me, preacher. Yes, he loves you. He demonstrated that love by sending his son, Jesus, to die upon Calvary's cross. Your Bible says, Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8, that God commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I have no greater display of love than that. God loves you. And he wants you to come to him. But dear friend, you can turn your back. You can walk away from the greatest love gift ever given. You can say, I believe I'll make it on my own. I believe I'll be all right. I believe that God is too loving, too kind, too merciful to ever send anybody to hell. Can I just drop a bomb of truth on you this morning? God has never sent anybody to hell. He allows you to make your choice. Deuteronomy chapter 6, he told the Israelites, he said, I set before you this day death and life. Choose life. If God forced you into making that choice, you wouldn't be anything but a robot. But God allows you to make your own choice. Third lie of the devil is that you are already saved. And the reason that you are saved is because of some work that you have been doing or you have done or you will do. You joined a church. You attended when you can. <laughs> You're not a bad person. You give to the needs of others. You were baptized. You had an experience. Now, all of these are good things. But there's not a one of them that will save you. In fact, you put them all together collectively, and they will not save you. In fact, your Bible says, Titus chapter 3, verse number 5, not of works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Matthew's gospel, the seventh chapter, Jesus Christ is closing the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, one of the greatest sermons of the Bible. And he comes to the end of chapter 7, and this is what he says. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. What? Well, I heard that preacher on television the other day. All I had to do was just reach out my hand toward the TV and ask the Lord to save me, and he'd save me. You heard that? Yet the Bible, God's holy word, written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, says that not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven but rather he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Well, what is the will of God? I'm glad you asked. The Bible says the Lord that, 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 that God is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, listen, but that all should come in repentance. To turn away from the sin of their life. You can't come to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be saved. And then get up and go back and start doing the things you did before you came in. According to the word of God, salvation is a new birth. It means that when you are saved, your life changes drastically. Paul would write this in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if, and boy, what a big word that is. 
If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Back over to Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 22. Many will say to me in that day, the day of judgment, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name we cast out devils? And in thy name we've done many wonderful works. And then Jesus doing the speaking. Then will I profess unto thee, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Now I believe that anybody can be saved. I believe with all of my heart that regardless of who you are or what you've done or where you've been, you can be saved. A lady came forward in a meeting with Brother Junior Hill. This is years ago. And she came forward and she said, Brother Hill, I sure do wish I could be saved, but I can't be saved. And he looked at her and said, why can't you be saved? She said, well, I've been married three times and the man I'm living with right now is not my husband. And he looked at her and said, well, in John's gospel, the, 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 the Bible tells us there of a woman that had been married five times and she was living with a man that wasn't her husband and, and she got saved. You just got two more wet marriages to go. <laughs> oh, no. Salvation presented by a holy God on the serving plate of the blood of the Lord Jesus, activated by the Holy Spirit of God, comes and says, be saved. And you say, I'm already saved. I'm a member of this church. I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I got baptized. They baptized me right up there. The Holy Spirit comes and speaks to your heart and says, you know, you need to be saved. And you say, do you know how much money I gave this church last year? And pride begins to swell up in you. And you begin to think that this church or this ministry or even God cannot exist without you. And dear friend, you'll never ever be saved until you humble yourself before God. When you come to that place where you recognize that he's everything and you're nothing. There's a fourth lie that I want to address quickly. And that is that, well, preacher, I know I need to be saved. And I'm going to get saved. But just not right now. I I believe I can get saved any time I get ready. Well, what does the Bible say? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 2. The word of God says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, that means to wake up and pay attention. Now is the accepted time, and now is the day of salvation. Proverbs 27, verse number 1, an Old Testament verse of Scripture. The Bible says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. John chapter 6, verse 44. Underscore this in your mind. Write it down in your Bible. This is what the Word of God says. No man. Are you a man? No woman. No young person. Can come to me 
except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up in the last day. Oh, you'll not get saved when you want to. You'll get saved when he calls you. Or you won't be saved at all. Deceived and being deceived. Lies that Satan is telling people in this church this morning. Oh, this is not an exhaustive list. Oh, no. Oh, no different. He's got many tools in his toolbox. The question is whose voice are you listening to? If God were to come to you this morning through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's his job. John chapter 16 says when he's coming to the world, he will convict the world of sin. It's his job. If the Holy Spirit of God were to come to you where you're sitting right here this morning and tell you that you need to get up out of that chair, you need to walk in front of this church, and you need to profess the fact that you are lost and you need to be saved, what would you do? Not my job to get you to come down here. My job is to proclaim the word of God. Have I done that this morning? The job of the Holy Spirit is to convict you of your sin. Has he done that this morning? Your job is to profess him before men. Jesus said, if you'll not profess me before men, I will not profess you before my Father which is in heaven. I don't, listen, I was baptized the first time when I was 12 years old. I was baptized the second time when I was 16 years old. I was baptized the third time when I was 20 years old. I've been baptized three times since then. I'm wet. Amen. (laughs) But the only thing that could save me was the blood of Jesus. Have you received the blood of Jesus? Do you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that if God were to call this very moment, whether in death or the rapture, that you would be saved. Don't listen to the lie of the devil. Don't let him lead you down that path of destruction and eternal damnation. Trust the word of God, the God of glory that gave us that word, and the Holy Spirit of God that convicts our hearts. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Every head's bowed, please, every eye's closed. Nobody's looking around. Our praise team is coming up here to the front. In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. And I'm going to invite you to come down this aisle and meet me here at the front or one of these other pastors and say, Brother Bill, Brother Chuck, Brother Blackie, I'm coming because I realize that I'm lost. Several years ago, a pastor friend of mine's daughter went off to a camp. She had gotten saved and baptized supposedly when she was in about fifth or sixth grade but she went off to camp in around the 11th grade and she realized at that camp on the direction of the Holy Spirit of God that she was not saved and she needed to be saved she went forward during that camp she got saved when she got back home she got with her dad pastor of the church she said dad I, I want to tell you what happened to me at camp and she explained to him what had went on, and he rejoiced with her. And he said, now, hon, this coming Sunday morning, I want you to walk down that aisle, and I, I want you to tell our church what God's done for you. She said, Dad, I can't do that. You're the pastor of this church. 
What will they think of you? What will they think of me? Dear friend, what Why are you worried about what somebody might think of you when you're facing eternity without Jesus? This morning, this morning, you're here and you say, Preacher, you spoke to my heart and I believe I need to be saved. I'm tired of listening to Satan's lies, being deceived. And I want to get right with God. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. Nobody's looking around but me, please. If you're here like this this morning and you say, Preacher, would you please pray for me that God would give me the strength to make this thing right? Would you just simply raise your hand straight up and straight back down? Thank you. God bless you all over the house, in the back. God bless you. Thank you. Straight up and straight back down. Preacher, pray for me that God will give me the strength I need to make this thing right with him. Anyone? Father God, in Jesus' name, I know you've seen these hands. I know you've already been dealing with these hearts. And Lord God, I pray in this moment that you not let Satan gain the victory. That Lord God, through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, you would move these people out into the aisle, into this altar, where they can get some counsel, where good men of God and women of God are waiting to greet them. Lord God, please, don't, don't let them hold back this morning. Let them become more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Now, in just a moment, we're going to ask you to stand. At that moment, those of you that raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to immediately walk to the front of the church. I'm, I'm praying that you will not hesitate, that you will not stop, because if you hesitate for a moment, Satan will win. So when we stand to our feet, you immediately go to the aisle and you come to the front. Would you do that? You're ready now. Let's all stand together, please. Our pastors are here at the front. You're coming. You're not hesitating. You're coming, Brother Chuck. Others are coming. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850 850- 926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.